All right, so <clears throat> last week we talked about pride, and I was honestly going to move on. <laughs> but then, I, I thought, you know, I don't like to just talk about the problem, and we did touch on humility, but today we're going to de- dedicate the whole, the whole teaching, what we have left of today, uh, to talk, uh, talk about humility, okay? What humility looks like, what humility does for us. Humility is our real friend. There we go. So if you remember, pride is the enemy that befriends you, makes you feel and think that he's your friend, but he's really not your friend. You know, he's setting you up for failure. Humility is your real friend. Uh, Proverbs talks a lot about humility. You know, if you don't know how to read your Bible, one of the things I highly, highly recommend is that you at least read one chapter of Proverbs a day. You know, like if you can make that your goal, that's amazing. If you're not reading, just start where you're at, you know. Don't get overwhelmed by, oh my gosh, I have to do all these things and read all these things and all these devotions and all these books. Just start with one chapter of Proverbs a day, you know, and, uh, and then you would go through the book of Proverbs once a month. That means you would read through the book of Proverbs 12 times a year, and you would be receiving input from the wisest person that ever walked on the earth because he asked for wisdom and God gave him wisdom, and I mean, <laughs> you know, that'll change your life, you know, and so... Anyways, humility is your real friend, and Proverbs talks a lot about it. You know, knowledge puffs up. You know, we live in, um, in a world where information is at our fingertips, and so uh, we can have a lot of information, meaning we can have a lot of puffing up going around. Ah, I don't know about that. Let me check. Hey, Siri. Well, Siri knows nothing. So, hey, Google, you know. <laughs> Test me in this. Ask them both, you'll see. <laughs> All right, just kidding. Not really. Even, um, okay, so, so there's a lot of knowledge going around, okay? And, the, and, and, and knowledge is a double-edged sword, like I said. You know, knowledge is good because, you know, people perish for lack of knowledge, right? You don't know some things. But when you know the right knowledge, you know, you don't perish. You have life. You have revelation. Um, but the other side of it is that if too much knowledge is the side that puffs up, right? Because then you become that one that just knows everything. I know that. I know better. I, um, you know, and, and, and it's hard to become childlike and believe like a child when you're in a place like that. And so, <clears throat> so much knowledge goes around. We even have a movement, you know, that is now named after that pride, right? And if you, if you think about last week's message and what pride does and how it builds a, 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 uh, a wall of false protection, and now we have a movement that, that adopted the name pride, what does that say? Even if I ever realized that I was wrong, I cannot say I was wrong. And what we said about pride is that pride will take, you know, sometimes it will take the rightness to the grave. And so when you surround a movement of deception with the label pride, what are you doing? You're also setting up all those people for failure if they ever were to realize this. I don't feel good about this anymore. This doesn't make sense anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yes? Okay. And so also because of that, you know, religiously speaking, humility was distorted. And what happened with, you know, with humility in, in the religious uh, perspective is that it stripped identity off of people. 
It stripped value out of people. And um, submission, right, trigger word, submission, it was a very abused force or way of manipulation, right? It was enforced because, you know, it's like, hey, the Bible says you need to submit to me and you need to be humble. So don't you ever think that you're any more than that, right? And so, so religion came to steal and to kill and to destroy in, in these ways, right? The devil uses religion uh, to abuse people, to, to say humility means you are nothing, you are, you know, you have no voice, you have no opinion, you have no strength, you have no leadership, right? And so hu- religious humility stripped people off of their identity in Christ. And it made a way for submission and for, you know, obedience to be bad words in the kingdom of God where, you know, we can't talk about those things even though they're in the Bible because there's some people that were really abused uh, and manipulated through, through those terms. And so we need to get back to Bible definitions of humility and submission and obedience because they're not bad things. They're good things. And so we're going to talk about that today. Uh, Bible definitions of these subjects, okay? And so we're going to look at, um, let's go to Second, Second Kings. If you open up your Bible, if you have it with me, 2 Kings chapter 5. We're going to start over in verse 9, please. All right. So a little context of this, um, King Aram uh, was the king of Israel there, and then Naaman was the commander of his army, okay? So he was a highly decorated commander. He had won a lot of victories, but Naaman had leprosy, okay? Now, if you know this, leprosy was a very humiliating, you could say, uh, sickness, because it also meant like you know, well, your skin was, was falling off, you know, there's different stages of this, and so, like, people didn't want to be close to you. you, as a matter of fact, a lot of them had to be, you know, distanced from people and from society and cast out, and so, so uh, Naaman is a highly decorated, very good commander of the army, okay, high-ranking official, you know, in the kingdom, and so, and he had leprosy, and so the king sends him to Elisha to... To get healing, you know, because the the servant girl of, of uh, this uh, uh, Naaman uh, told him, hey, there's a man of God that can heal you, right? And so, long story short, you know, this is where we're at. You know, he he's going to Elisha, the prophet, because he wants to get healed from this leprosy, okay? And so, it says, Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. So he comes with a whole entourage, okay? Like, I want you to imagine, here's a man with lots of victories, but also with this very um, sad um, sickness, you know, very, um, I I don't know if he, maybe he was really covered up, or I'm not really sure, but obviously it was something very humbling. And so it says, verse 9, so, uh, sorry, verse 10, says, but Elisha, okay, sent a messenger out to him with this message. 
Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. Okay, you would think, no big deal. He gave him instructions, told him what to do. Verse 11 says, but Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and the Farfar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. Okay, And, um, and so what we first see here, you know, is obviously his pride was really hurt. Because he's this big, very important person, right? This high-ranking official. And the prophet doesn't even come out to say hello. Like, he's like, hey, I brought, like, all my horses and my chariots. Like, you know, I was even thinking about giving you a ride in them, you know? And, like, you know? And, and he's like, you know, Elisha's just like, oh, tell him to go wash up, you know? And so he's offended in his mind. Right? And when we're intellectually offended in our mind, our heart is revealed. That always happens. Right? When you get offended up here, this shows you what's going on inside. Okay? And so his pride gets hurt, and he's like, forget this. This is dumb. You know? And the Jordan River, I want you to know, Jordan River is not a, a nice, clean river. You know? It was just like, hey, go wash up in the canal down there on Main Road. You know, right there. That's kind of like you know, what it was. He's like, what? You know? It's like, there's better rivers. Can I go to, like, Cozumel, you know? And, like, or how about, you know? And he's like, no. So he's like, I'm not doing it. And then verse 13, his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says, simply go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became healthy, as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Um, and so what we see is pride was blocking him from receiving his miracle, right? His healing. But when he decided to walk in humility and he submitted himself, and obeyed the instructions of the prophet, what happened? Well, the result was, you know, a miracle. The result was a supernatural. The result was healing. The result was freedom. And so how many times we have allowed, you know, pride or intellectual offense, you know, to get in the way of what, we're, what God wants to get to us? God wanted him healed. But his heart was more important than the leprosy. Right? Because what got worked on in the way of that miracle was his heart. He had to get pride out of the side. His officers were like, hey, hey, no, you're not thinking straight. And sometimes we need friends like that. You're not thinking straight. <laughs> like, there's no reason to make such a big deal about this. Like, just, there's a blessing, you know, in humility. And so, um, if we go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, Colossians 3, 12, well, you don't have to go there, but Colossians 3, 12 says to clothe yourself, you know, with kindness and gentleness, but it says with humility. 
You know, so humility is a way of walking. It's not just a one action thing. Humility is like you're, you're walking in humility. You're dressed in humility. You think through humility. And what does humility look like? Well, Philippians uh, uh, chapter 2 and verse uh, 5 through 9, we read this one last week, and this is uh, telling us exactly how Jesus did it. Because Jesus is our number one example, and it says, Though he was God, it says verse 5, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. In other words, he wasn't saying, he wasn't walking around life saying, Well, but I am God. But why do I have to clean my room, Mom? I am God. But, but why do I have to work a job as a carpenter? I am, you know, I am God. Like, he didn't cling to that. You know, as a matter of fact, it says that he, um, instead, he gave up his divine privileges voluntarily. Remember this? Voluntarily, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave or a servant, okay, and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human, in, in when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in what obedience to God, and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. And so we see again, you know, same thing we saw last week. You know, uh, God um, resists the proud, but He gives grace and He exalts and lifts up who the humble. And so Jesus came and He is like, I'm dressed in this humility. And though I am God, I'm voluntarily choosing to restrain my strength and to restrain my godliness and to humble myself to be a servant, right? And then we read in um, um, Matthew chapter 20, if you go there with me, Matthew chapter 20. And in verse uh, 26, Oh, it's right there. It says, but, it, but this is not your calling. You will lead by a completely different model. It says, the greatest one among you will live as the one who is called to serve others. Because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone. And to give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. So Jesus himself didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. Now that's amazing. That's incredible. Jesus, God, our Savior. See, when people were waiting for the Messiah um, be before Jesus came, like they had a different expectation. Okay, Which is why many were not able to receive him. Because they had an expectation, kind of like Naaman. They thought, you know, I expected he was going to do this, and he didn't. Therefore, I'm offended here. And so, same thing with, um, in this case, like, a lot of the Jews did not receive Jesus because they expected a king in form of a king, like, like royalty with an earthly kingdom to come, or a military leader. And Jesus didn't come with either one. He came as a human, he became a servant, and he came to serve, not to be served. And so, I believe the, form, the reason why Jesus didn't come as a king or a military leader, that would, if you think about it, that would automatically demand service and honor, right? But he came as a servant, so that all who served and honor him would do it voluntarily, and by faith. 
Because if he had come as a military leader or as a royal king, that it would have been implied that you have to serve me and you have to honor me and you have to worship me. It requires no faith to believe he is the Messiah, the Son of God. But when he comes as a human, and, you know, in John 13, and he's washing their feet, it requires voluntarily for you to choose to believe in him, to honor him, and to serve him. Because he didn't want anybody to just, you know, do it because of his military, you know, power or because he was royalty or... He just came as a man to teach us how to serve one another, how to honor one another, how to love one another, right? And then that's what he uh, tells us as we move on to um, in, um, let's see, Ephesians chapter 5, if you come there with me. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21, you know, we've read this many times and, and this is another one that has been used religiously in order to manipulate people or, you know, to make people think like in marriage, the man is the only one that has a word and the wife needs to submit to the husband and like this almost like strong arming kind of biblical manipulation that many times you've, you've heard of, you know, and it's so wrong. Um, and it says in, in verse 21, it says, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, and then it says, For wives, this means to your husbands. And that's not what we're talking about today. But, you know, uh, what we are talking about today is that submission has to do with our role. Okay? It has to do, it doesn't have to do with one being more important than the other. It doesn't have to do with equality. We're already all equal because the blood of Jesus purchased us all by the same price. So the husband isn't more than the wife or vice versa. The pastor isn't more than the congregation or vice versa. You know, the leaders are more, because those things only speak of roles, only speak of what my function is in this thing. So in Ephesians 5, 2021 is telling us to submit to one another in reverence for Christ. So because because of the example that Christ set, that he came and being God, he gave up his privileges as God. And because he came to serve and not to be served, right? And in reverence to Christ, because of the example that he gave us is saying, now you do the same and submit to one another. And how do we submit to one another? And, and the way we submit to one another is because um, um, it depends on the situation. Okay? It depends on the position. It says, uh, sometimes you're the boss. Sometimes you're the dad. And sometimes you're the leader. But in other scenarios, you're the son. In other scenarios, you're the team member. In other scenarios, you're the employee. These are what? Roles, not identities. But many times we fall into the trap where we pour identity in our role. And that's where we start drawing value from. What I do, what I know, instead of who I am, a son or a daughter of God. So if I don't know that I am a son or a daughter of God, I'm going to draw my identity out of what I do, out of my role, 
And therefore, it will be hard to be humble or to submit or to obey because my whole life depends on it. Who I am depends on it. I have to climb the ladder. And that's a lot of pressure. But we're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to uh, submit to one another. How do we submit to one another? Well, it's like Jesus did it, you know. So when you, um, so sometimes I'm the leader, okay, unless I'm at home. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) At church, you know, I'm the leader, unless she shows up. Right? So I know how to submit. <laughs> if I'm in the kitchen, I know how to submit. Right? But no, sometimes I, I am the leader. Right? Uh, there was this one time, um, I think it was 2019. So I, I've been a worship leader, you know, my entire life. I love leading worship, you know. And, you know, I, I would tell the musicians, like, hey, here's your part. This is your part, you know. Um, you know, uh, I'm leading, you know, but in 2019, Dan got an invitation to lead worship at a um, youth conference in Florida, and he invited me to come with him and to play keys. I said, yeah, sounds fun. Let's go, right? And so in that case, you know, I was submitting unto Dan's authority. You know, I was submitting to, to like his calls. Like I said, as a matter of fact, I said to him, how can I serve you? You tell me what you want me to play. What do you want me to do? Because I'm submitting, you know, I didn't say this to him, but that's what I was doing. I was submitting to him because he was the leader in the situation, right? I wasn't like, hey, no, mm-mm, I'm only going to do it this way because that's the way I do it. No, 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 I'm just like, hey, you shouldn't do that song. We should do a different song. No, I'm not the leader. I'm there to serve him. You know, when Joseph Z or Ashley Teredis come and preach our church or other guest speakers, they come and say, how can I serve you? What do you need me to do? What do you want me to do? So even though they're, you know, uh, uh, even though they're on TV, even though they have, you know, a big ministry, like they don't come and say like, all right, well now here's what I'm going to do, whatever I want. Like they're coming to serve and they actually say, how can I serve you? Right? So we learn to submit to one another. When I go over there and I film something for him or whatever, like how can I serve you? You know, you, you show me, and, and that's what Jesus meant, like, submit to one another. Learn your role in your place. Like, at, at work, you might be an employee. You know, at home, you're a leader. At church, you're both, maybe. I was thinking of, a, of an example because, I'm sorry, these notes go a little crazy sometimes. Um, humility allows us to truly honor, okay? Humility enables us to worship freely and fully. Real humility does not strip our identity away. Real humility, you see, a lot of people have a hard time with humility and submission because in their mind, that means I would be less. I'd be less important. If I am following someone, or if I am obeying or submitting or asking for help, in their mind, that strips away their value and their identity, and they think of less of themselves. So it's really hard if your identity is put in that. It's really hard to ask for help, right? But who's our best friend? Humility is our best friend, right? 
Um, if you only serve the way you want to serve, then you're really just self-serving. I'm going to give you an example, okay? This is not a real story, okay? No, seriously, it's not. <laughs> Why is it so hard when I say something like that? To, you know, <laughs> This is not a real story. So imagine this. Imagine that I'm, um, I'm at home with my wife, okay? And she has a very busy day. Um, and on top of that, we have people coming that night. And so she has to cook for them. Uh, but she has a million errands to do, so... I know her day is going to be super stressful because it's really busy, you know. And so I decide I'm going to serve and I'm going to help her. So I say, honey, can I uh, make the enchiladas, you know. I'll make the enchiladas. She's like, yeah, you can make the enchiladas. Here you go. That would help me a lot, right. That way I wouldn't have to race back from this place and I can relax and take my time and know that the enchiladas will be done when I get home, right? And so she says, go ahead and follow the directions. Here's the ingredients and stuff, all right? You got it, right? So she goes away, and I'm at home. Remember, this is not a real story. <laughs> and I'm at home, right? And I, am, I start looking at the recipe of these enchiladas, and I start going, where's, where's the cheese? Where's the sour cream? What's wrong with this woman? I can make better enchiladas than this, you know? Forget this, you know? And so I make up my own enchiladas, and I put lots of cheese and lots of sour cream, you know? And I feel really good about myself. She gets home, da-da, you know? A minute before guests come in, and she looks at it, and she goes, why didn't you follow my instructions? I'm like, well, honey, it's like, honestly, your enchiladas were a little bland. <laughs> You know this is not a real story because if you tasted her enchiladas, they're not bland at all. Okay. And I go, honey, your enchiladas were a little bland, so I just added, you know, I'm Mexican, by the way. I'm Mexican, so if anybody knows anything about enchiladas, let me. So you're welcome. What can I say except you're welcome, all right? And so here's what happened. She goes, well, that actually doesn't help me because I have to redo them. The guests we're having over are allergic to cheese and to and they're lactose intolerant and so none of the stuff they can eat. And so instead of serving, I've actually increased her level of stress and ruined things for that night. So again, that did not happen. Okay. <laughs> but how many times we have situations like that? You know, we uh, I had a, a musician. This was probably a long time ago, far far away in a galaxy. You know. <laughs> not this one, and I had this musician, and he was incredibly talented, you know, incredibly talented, he, he was, uh, actually had two of these, okay, one was a bass player, the uncle, and, uh, and the other one was a seven-year-old drummer who was amazing, just like, you could watch him all day, because you're like, this is supernatural, right, just like, you know, just like crazy, and so, you know, we'd go lead worship, and, and sometimes we'd lead worship, and it'd be like, all you could hear was bass and drums, like, because it was like a solo, like a 30-minute solo, because these guys were so talented, so talented, like, that it was like all, like, really all about the bass, all about the bass, you know, and so, <laughs> so, 
And so it came to the point, you know, where I was like, hey, maybe you could just downplay it a little bit. Like, we all know how amazing you are, and you're surely gifted from God. But, you know, what we actually need is this, right? Well, then the intellect got offended, and they didn't play anymore, you know, because, well, they didn't see it. But it revealed what was in the heart, which was pride, which says, I'm way better than all of you. I'm way better than all of this, and I'm not going to submit to this. I'm going to go find that's that's what the heart's saying but when you don't when you don't know it you don't pay attention to those things right and so there was no more no more playing right um and so in there's cases like that where we we think we're helping but if we only going to serve how we want to serve then we're not really serving we're self-serving and we're in there for our own gratification our own pleasure I think that's why Jesus washes disciples' feet, you know, to give us a really clear example of how real serving is not for self-gratification. Because I don't know anybody that would get gratification out of washing somebody else's dirty feet who's been walking around in sandals on the dirt all day. And if you do, you got some issues. <laughs> But you know what I'm saying? Like, Jesus was certainly not doing this for himself. And so many times, we don't know that we have this attitude that we're like, I'm going to serve, right? I'm going to help you. But, but we're not really doing any humility. We have this pride about it. Like, I know better. I'm going to do better. You need help. And what we don't realize is if, if we only serve how we want to serve, we're really just being, you know, self-serving. Are you with me? So, <laughs> I love it. Humility enables you to freely and fully worship. You know, we, we had a, a series on worship not too long ago. And, you know, pride robs us from worshiping. Worshiping robs us from freedom. And so we keep ourselves bound when we're not walking and dressed in humility. It takes humility to raise your hands and to drop to your knees and to worship the Lord and to sing aloud. It takes humility, right? Like our, 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 our identity and our value cannot be in our, in our voice. It cannot be in, you know, our looks. It cannot be on, on any of those things because there's always going to be somebody who sings better. There's always going to be somebody who looks better. There's always going to be somebody who's skinnier, stronger, richer and all these things so our identity cannot come from any of these things it has to come solely from the very fact that we are God's child and we're loved by him then I can really walk confidently in humility then I can really serve anybody I I need to serve you know something me and my wife really purpose in our hearts is we were going to serve people and so a lot of times Leaders, and this could be anywhere else, they refuse to serve because why? Because a lot of times their identity and value and importance is attached to serving. And so they can't serve anybody else. And this transfers to the home many times, right? And you grow up in a home where, you know, dad can't serve anybody else. Like, it's just all about him. And so what the kids learn, you know, it. We're not learning real humility. Real humility enables you to worship freely and fully. King David had this down. King David was a very important man of God. He was powerful. He was a warrior. He, he, he was incredible. I encourage you this week, read King David's life and be like, he was really humble. 
Like he got anointed to, to be king, but yet he, he kept serving Saul, the king that God had rejected. He kept serving him and honoring him until it was David's turn to be king. That's pretty amazing. Because if you were anointed king, you would wa certainly walk a different way, right? And King David could have. But that's why King David, God refers to him as a man after God's own heart. Because this is the same thing that Jesus did. King David was anointed king when he was a teenager, a young teenager. He didn't become king till I believe, his 30s. That means this whole time, he had opportunities to, kings, to kill Saul. Even in self-defense, and he did not. Because he had the same attitude that Jesus had. That, you know, Jesus being God, he gave up his privileges. And he humbled himself, right? To serve, not to be served. And so King David had some of the same attributes. He, he was anointed to be king, but yet he waited till God told him, here's your time. Like, this is it. And in the meantime, knowing he was going to be king, he still submitted himself, served the king. Do you know, even when... Saul was trying to kill David, okay? David still honored Saul in his heart. And you cannot really honor people without humility. Because honor sees the gift in other people. You can't see the gift in other people if your mind is going, I'm way better than them. They don't deserve that. I deserve that. So, Humility allows us to honor, okay? Humility does not strip our identity away from us. Authentic humility, here's a very important one, it agrees with God's view and opinion of me, nothing more and nothing else. You know, Romans clearly tells us, do not think of yourself as more than you ought to. See, humility is not thinking little about us. I'm going to say it this way. People who have um, high self um Arrogance, okay, or low self-esteem, neither of them are walking in humility. Because the one with low, I mean, the, the arrogant, we obviously know he's thinking way too much of himself, way too often, and he thinks he's better than the other ones. But the one who has a low self-esteem problem, he's not thinking of himself how God thinks of himself. He or she is thinking of himself uh, in a different view and opinion than God's. So in other words, God says you were made in his likeness and image. In Psalms it says that you were made just a little lower than God himself, than Elohim. Okay. And you go around thinking all day, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not. That's not thinking how God thinks about you. Therefore, it's not humility. Because humility is when you line yourself up to God's view and opinion of you, nothing more and nothing less. So when you're thinking less of you than God thinks of you, that's not humility. That's actually arrogance. You know why? Because you're saying, I know better than God. God doesn't know how I look in the mirror today. We think sometimes that because we have low self-esteem, we must be real humble. Let me tell you, that's, that's a lie. You're just less annoying than the arrogant one. That's all. 
<laughs> humility. Authentic humility agrees with God's view and opinion of me. Nothing more, nothing less. And that's what we read last week. Like, consider others as more important than you, but they're not more important than you. Remember that? They're not more important than you, but treat them as if they were. That's how Jesus did it. Because then you're confident in who you are. You don't have to overplay your game to feel good about you and let others know that you're really good. You don't have to do that. Because God will exalt the humble. Like, God will lift you up. You don't have to, you know, play this game so that others see how amazing you are. God's going to exalt you. He's going to lift you up. I'd rather God lift me up than me having to lift myself up and build myself up. That's why I don't care how many likes I get on a post or how many followers I have on Facebook. Like, it's all meaningless. If anything, it's for spreading the gospel. It's called digital evangelism. That's it. But so many people put their identities and their value on so many of these things, right? And so humility will lead us into being able to submit in our role in different circumstances. It will um, help us obey God. Humility will allow us to surrender. You know that you can't even pray without humility? Oh, but I pray. Well, you can't really pray without humility because it takes one to say, I need help. I need surrender. I need you in my day today. I need you in my life. I need you every step of the way, right? We need to do this together. I need to do this with you. It's, it's neither it's not, I can do this on my own, and it's not, uh, I can't do anything without you because you have to tell me what color shirt to wear today. It's neither. It's, we're, we're, we're doing this together. I'm everything you say I am, nothing more, nothing less. I need you in my day. I want to acknowledge you in everything I do. But I know you created me, and you made me wonderfully and amazing in your likeness and in your image. I know that you put a lot of power in me, but without you, you know, I can't. I can't do everything you call me to do. You understand? Like, with, with humility, we're able to, <clears throat> to pray, to really pray, to really surrender, to really obey God. And humility allows me to submit, take my role, because it doesn't value me for what I do. All right. Um, Let's, um, let's bring this to a close. God is good. Are you getting anything out of this today? So, so humility is, is, a, is a way of walk. Okay, so It's a way in which we walk. How do we respond to correction? It reveals if we're walking in pride or in humility. 